I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. I also think a website's really important because it's the one space that you own entirely. If you can do the work of actually getting someone there, once you have them there, you have their undivided attention. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, a podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 69. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about how your website design and content can drive sales, which I'm sure is a very interesting content for a lot of you, because let's face it, we all need a website these days. It's not mm-hmm. just social media. And I think that's something that Isabel is going to agree with us on. But before we go any further, what are you drinking today, Jesse? Mm, I'm actually enjoying a classic, a gin and tonic. I had um, some leftover limes and I was like, mm. okay, I need to like use these and had some tonic, had some gin. And so voila. Very fancy. Mm-hmm. I, I used to not. I used to not like gin back in the day. I like, always... tasted like Christmas tree. Yeah, and now and now I like it. How weird is that? No, I can I can see why. It's like I didn't used to like um like soda water and lime even or like oh. tonic water and lime because the tonic mm-hmm. water could taste weird. I think you're just your your palate becomes more refined as you get older. <laughs> refined. I like that. Are we becoming like a foodie? In co- podcast here, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> let's add well, one more thing to our to our yeah, plate. Yes, I know. No, let's not. That's not okay. Let's. <laughs> all right. Before we get any, into anything else, let's get into our discussion with our guest, Isabel Caveman. Isabel Caveman is the founder and CEO of Stripe Dog Creative. Isabel and her team create highly strategic and gorgeous websites for six-figure service providers and for course creators who are looking to reach seven figures and beyond. She has over a decade of agency experience working with Fortune 500 companies across digital strategy, marketing, and project management. Her zone of genius is strategic thinking and building a clear solution in a sea of information. Today, she's going to talk to us about how your website design and content can actually drive more sales. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to have you on now. First off, this is Cocktails and Content Creation, so we must start off with what are you drinking? Yeah. So right now I'm having cold brew because it's 11 a.m., but I wish I were having a spicy margarita. That is my go-to drink. Spicy margarita. I love margaritas, but I don't know about the spicy part. Oh, I love the spicy. Is it just like the, how do they make it spicy? Just add like Like jalapeno jalapeno juice. (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's jalapeno juice and sometimes it's like that spicy rim, which makes it even better. Ooh. Ooh, What do they put on the spicy rim? Like, oh, now, now you're getting into territory that I don't know. The bartender um, does magic. Well, magic. it's probably like a pepper of some sort, like a, either like, like a cayenne pepper Ooh. or something like something. That. This yeah, is up so. my alley. This is, I, I must like have salt and I must have it on the rock. So that's the way I roll with margaritas. And I salt like sugar. I get that. Oh, you sugar like the sugar cake? <laughs> Sugar, nice. sugar, sugar is my my thing. All right. Well, now that we've gotten that important business out of the way, let's hear a little bit more about your journey and what it is that you do. Sure. So I'll try to keep this as brief as possible. I worked in New York City ad agencies. I got to work on some cool brands like 
Phantom of the Opera, Book of Mormon, KitchenAid, OxyClean. Um, but my clients sort of got worse as time went on. So the final straw that broke the camel's back for me was ExxonMobil was my final client. And I sort of was just sitting there like, I can't believe I'm making ExxonMobil more billions. I have to be doing something else. So I ended up actually starting this initially as a side hustle. But at the same time, I also had a wedding planning business because why not? Why not try to work three jobs at once? Um So this didn't really take off much, honestly, as a side hustle. I was trying to work only with nonprofit clients, which, as you know, don't always have a lot of budgets, but I was really focused on like making the world a better place because I had ExxonMobil balancing it out, but really was focusing on the wedding planning because I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I was miserable and I was making every mistake that a new business owner could make in terms of undercharging and not valuing yourself and bending over backwards and answering text messages on Saturdays. And... I just realized that I was completely miserable and I had spent actually thousands of dollars working with a designer to create a really stunning website. So I was obsessed with my website. It was so beautiful, but it wasn't getting me any clients. It wasn't helping me raise my rates at all. It wasn't helping me reach the clients that I wanted to reach. And I actually had this epiphany as I was driving up to see a wedding venue. I was living in LA at the time. I was driving up to see a wedding venue and I was sitting there and I thought to myself, like, God, my website's useless, but yet it's so pretty and it's not doing anything. And it hit me. I've spent a decade in marketing and strategy and yeah, my website is stunning, but I didn't apply any of what I did in marketing and strategy for these huge brands to my website at all. She sent me a blank page and was like, write your copy. And I was like, okay, all right. Like I just, I was so focused on the way that it looked that I didn't think about anything else. And when I realized that I actually went and ended up changing my website and was able to double my prices and triple my conversion rate, but realized I actually hate being a wedding planner and doing my website was the most fun I'd had as a wedding planner in like the year and a half I'd been doing it. And so that's when I realized there was a niche in the market. So many websites are pretty, but useless. So many websites don't have a strategy. And I was overjoyed to be able to move away from wedding planning and do that. And I think my lucky stars every day that I am no longer a wedding planner. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's yes. why I went to um, Vegas for my wedding. <laughs> Because I did not want to plan it. And yet you still had like a nice big, semi-big wedding. uh, Yeah, yeah, it took 40 people to Vegas. So it was pretty awesome. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was a really beautiful wedding, I must say. (laughs) Yes. I kind of invited myself. No, you did uh, not invite yourself. You just jumped the gun before we were able to. Well, I was almost there for the proposal, but just missed it by like 20 minutes. Anyways. Um. You know, I think so many people do, they just focus on how their website looks and then they take, a, they like put all this money into the pretty things Yes, and they don't pay attention to actually what it's doing for them. So I'm so glad that as someone who does this for a living, that was your experience because I think so many people can relate to that. They have like this gorgeous website, but what, why isn't it, why isn't it bringing in sales? It's well, it's kind of like just having no strategy at all with anything. It's like, why, like creating like this all, you know, the show is all about content. And I, and I said this actually on the last episode we recorded, like, we don't want to just create content just for content's sake. You want to, you don't want to just create a beautiful web, like website just to have a beautiful website. Like why, why do that? Yeah. Right. Right. I think it's so easy to get to though, because like, you know, at the time I was doing everything wrong as a business owner, which a lot of new business owners do. So you're sitting there thinking, why aren't I getting clients? 
And the one thing that most people can control is how their website looks. So you just, you keep saying it must be the color palette. It must be the fonts. It must be the photos, which, you know, the photos obviously make a difference, but, but you just spend hours and hours and hours tinkering with sort of the easy go-to things because you don't really want to sit down and think to yourself, well, maybe I'm actually undercharging or maybe I'm actually like going after the wrong people. Like those are big, scary things. So it's so much easier to be like, I'll just switch the color palette up this week. Yep. Well, many, you know, many of our listeners have a website and they have an idea of how important it is to own your own little space in the digital world. But, you know, these days with TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, it seems so easy to just kind of um, almost almost run a business through those websites. And then, you know, with online payment sites, too, it's almost like you don't even have to have anything set up. But why is a website even it's in its most basic form? important. Yeah, absolutely. So I always go to this stat. It's something like three quarters of people check a website before working with you and really base their decision to work with you based on how much they feel like they can trust you from that website. So if they're turned off from your website, they're not going to work with you. And if they feel a real connection with you, that is going to play into their decision to work with you. So people are still checking websites. Like that is still a thing, even in 2022, you know, as you're saying with TikTok and Instagram. I also think a website's really important because it's the one space that you own entirely. So when you're on TikTok and Instagram, it's so easy to get distracted. Like we've all had those days where we realize 45 minutes has gone by of us watching puppy videos or someone baking this beautiful cake or, you know, whatever sort of pops up. And the website is really, if you can do the work of actually getting someone there, once you have them there, you have their undivided attention. And so that's when the strategy plays in. It's really important to keep them there. But that's what's so nice about a website is you own the space. So you get to design it. You get to decide how someone moves through it. You have their full undivided attention to give them whatever it is you need to give them, whether it's listening to your podcast or a lead magnet or getting them to work with you. And there's no competitors. There's nothing that you're competing with once someone lands there. And then also if your website is strategic, it's doing the work for you. So I have a lot of people that I've worked with who were doing business via Instagram for you know a year or two before coming to me and being like, okay, I know my website sucks. I really need an upgrade. And they're so shocked after they get their new website that a lot of the work that they've been doing is now off their plate. Because on Instagram, let's take Instagram, for example, when someone DMs you, a lot of these people are going back and forth in the DMs for you know, multiple messages, multiple days, multiple weeks. So they're having to do all this work. But in reality, the information that they're giving these people is information that could just be on their strategic website. And their website, if they were confident in sending people there, could be doing the work to convert people instead of them having the same conversations over and over in Instagram DM. So it actually takes work off people's plates if they have a website that they can trust to do the conversions for them. Mm, That makes so much sense. I really... Um, I mean, I, I agree. I'm like raising my hand right now that I go to people's websites before I'm like, especially if I'm hiring out for work or looking to go, I don't know, even to a restaurant, I'm going to check your website. I'm going to check your, your menu. I'm going to like check the reviews. I'm going to like see what people have to say. And so, yeah, when you don't have a website or when the website is just like non-functional, like not even functional. I'm like, I can't, I can't even do this. And maybe it's because I am like also a business owner and I'm like, okay, if you can't even take the time to have like a functional website, then like, I just can't with you. (laughs) So 
Well, that um, being said, how can we create a website that works for us and gets those, those sales for us? Like break it down for us. Yeah, absolutely. So this is exactly where the pretty but useless comes in. You really need a website strategy. And there's so many things that go into a website strategy. One of the most important is taking the consumer journey into account. So really making sure that you're understanding how people are going to move through your site. And this sounds all marketing, you know, jargon and complicated, but really just think about it from a logical perspective. Like when you land on someone's site, your usual question is like, who is this person and what do they do? Can they serve me? So like, that's your tagline, right? Like what you do and who you serve. And then maybe there's a little bit of an introduction. And then you think to yourself, okay, well, what services do they offer? So then you have a service section and you're like, okay, well, is this person qualified? So then you have an about section. So it's really sort of thinking through each page and anticipating what questions and what information people are going to need to see to work with you. I'm also very big on having one goal on your website and having like 80 to 90% of your content point to that one goal. So usually for a service provider, it's working with you. So that doesn't mean you can't push your lead mind or you can't push your podcast, but you really don't want a homepage, for example, that has four CTA buttons. And each of those four CTAs is pointing to a different place because we all know confused clients don't buy. So you really want to make it as easy as possible for people. You really want to, as best you can, funnel people, hold their hand through that journey on your website to the one place that you really want them to land, which again is usually to work with you. And then from a copywriting perspective, you really want scannable headlines. So I always tell people you want to literally come to your site as if you've never come to it before. And you want to read only the headlines and you want to be able to see do I understand who this person is, what they do, and if they can serve me? Because unfortunately, there's a lot of data that shows that people really only skim. They don't read fully unless they're really invested and interested. So if someone's been given you know, three coaches, for example, they might go to each of those three coaches sites and just skim the headlines. So if your headlines are things that are ambiguous or confusing or don't really get that point across, you might be losing that person because they're not taking the extra time to really dive in and read. And then in terms of the visuals, you know, I know I always talk about you don't want pretty but useless, but the visuals are still what gets you in the door, right? The visuals are still that initial spark of attraction. So obviously, Jesse knows this, but brand photos are huge. If you can't afford brand photos and you're new, I understand there's a lot of like free stock sites or paid stock sites, but if you can't afford it, I always recommend a brand shoot and then really just strong branding. So, you know, a color scheme that's going to be appealing to your ideal client, not what you like, but what your ideal client is going to like fonts that are legible. I feel like there was a whole period of time where everyone was using these crazy cursive fonts that you couldn't read. Again, confused clients don't buy. So the easier you can make it, the more legible your font. So it's really about having all of these elements come together in a cohesive way so that you're really, you know, making it easy for people, creating a really nice consumer journey, and then connecting emotionally is really that last piece. So it's really about understanding who your ideal clients are, making them feel valued and supported, showing them what it's like to work with you, really painting that picture of the transformation that they're going to get, what happens before, how are they feeling now, do you understand where they're at, and then how are they going to feel after, and really making them understand, I get where you are over here on this side before you work with me, and then afterwards, here's how amazing you're going to feel after we're done working together. There's so much there. So, so much there. Everything so much makes there. 
so much sense, but yes, there's so much to unpack there. I feel now, like. Now you said something that was interesting to me. It was anticipating the questions that your clients are going to ask. Mm. And that is like a really, I think that's a really great way for people to start thinking about the type of copy and those headlines and like those sort of things. So um, is this something that you actually work with your clients to discover? I mean, cause some of, I think people, when they're getting like started with marketing and understanding like really that marketing is all about like psychology and how to get into the mind of our ideal client. Like, do you help them start to unravel that? Or do you have some, some tips for people to use that sort of as a basis, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a freebie and about page guide that really helps get into the psychology for the about page. So we can certainly link to that. With my one-to-one clients, absolutely. So I start with the strategy. It's so important to have that foundation. So when I work with one-to-one clients, the very first thing we do is actually a strategy call. And that's where we really deep dive into why they started this business, why it's important to them, who their clients are, what their clients are thinking. So really getting at how their clients feel before working with them. What are their pain points? What are they struggling with? What's keeping them up at night? And then what are their dreams? What are they, where are they hoping to get after working with this particular service provider? And then also what makes this service provider unique? You know, what's their USP? What makes them different from the other people in their industry? And I think when you can get really clear on why you do something and where you're coming from, and then also who your clients are and get into your client psychology, that's what really helps you answer these. And I think a lot of people like to skip these steps because they're hard, they're difficult. You actually have to talk to real people and market research is difficult. I mean, in this day and age, it's hard to pin people down. You feel like you sort of have to pay them for their time or give them something in exchange for their time. And I hear this a lot from people that I work with because that part is difficult. So it's, it feels like you could skip it. You feel like you sort of know, and you're like, okay, I'll just take a guess. The problem is the moment you're taking that guess, you're not using their exact words. You're not getting into your, their psychology. And that's when your website isn't going to convert. I, I've done market research and I've done the whole thing. I think a lot of our audience maybe has, or maybe they haven't. Um, but there was one thing that I think is, you know, tough for people to wrap their head around is really understanding, really understanding those pain points, but like how, you know, let me use me as an example. Okay. So like I'm a brand photographer and like my, like, I guess I could, and and maybe this is something you do with your clients, but I could easily say, well, their pain point is they don't have any images. Well, that's kind of like the obvious pain point, but like, it's almost taking that a step further. Right. And like how, like what's preventing them from getting those images right so it's like you've got that main problem but then then you have to go a little bit deeper right is that correct exactly okay yeah exactly so you really want to go deeper so for example yes on the surface it's they don't have these images and usually cost is not the issue so if you're getting the answer of cost you need to go even deeper but it's probably something like they're not comfortable on camera maybe they don't know what they're supposed to put together for a brand shoot. So that's where you need to come in and really do education because maybe it intimidates them or they just feel like it's going to take weeks and weeks of their time. And so they figure like, okay, it's easier to just find stock photos. It saves me time. And that's when you need to sort of go in and relate to that objection and be like, you know, it's not, yes, it is more time on the upfront, but you're actually going to end up, you know, wasting more time with clients who aren't qualified. So yeah, it's definitely taking all of this a step deeper to figure out what's really stopping them from doing 
this particular thing under the surface. It kind of reminds me, and this is interesting um, that I'm thinking about it this way, but you know, there's ideas of like websites and then there's also like sales pages. And I almost feel like you're kind of mixing the two in a little bit because sales pages are all about, it's like, they're very formulaic. They're very formulaic in the fact that they address like, like, is this you? And imagine this, and this is how we're going to get you there and blah, 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 blah. It kind of, it, it seems like you're kind of taking a totally different approach in that you're, you're, you're taking a traditional website, but with the sales psychology piece to it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because the, the reason sales pages work, and I don't know, you know, if you guys haven't been, anyone listening, hasn't been to a sales page in a long time, like I'm a marketer and I get on sales pages and I'm like, oh man, this person got me. Like, like, yes. is it just so speaks to you that even when you know you're being sold to, if they're saying the right thing, you're thinking to yourself like, Jesus, this person reading my mind, like this is so frustrating because you don't necessarily want to buy the product or want to have to spend the money, but it really works. And so that's really where the emotional connection comes in. And that's the biggest piece for me when working with people on strategy, because it's building those no like, and trust factors and it's connecting emotionally. And I always say people like to think that they buy based on logic, but they really buy based on emotion. People buy based on how they feel. So if you can make someone feel something, you've got the sale and they don't care about price anymore. That's when price comes out of the equation. So I'm very big when I work with my clients on doing everything we essentially can to take price out of the equation and really illustrate that value. And that's done by creating that emotional connection. Mm. Okay. So now that we understand like the pieces and kind of like where this can go, what it can look like, you know, some of the high level things that should be thought about when, when outlining it or wireframing our site, um, you got it all in place. You've got it up and running. Now, how do you actually measure the success? This is something we've been trying to focus on with this podcast is like making sure that the content that we are creating, that there's ways for us to like actually measure the success. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. If you have any KPIs, I know you can deep dive into analytics, but like, what are some maybe basic ways for us to start tracking this and like making sure that it is successful? Sure. So I definitely caution around drawing a line in the sand, and I am going to give you some hard numbers, but I do caution this because, again, everyone's business is so unique and everyone's price point is so different. And there are people that are, you know, farther along here and people that, you know, are maybe charging a lot less or newbies or whatever. Um, Typically for lead generation, so that's usually a service based business where you're generating leads and bringing them to your site through networking, through Instagram, through your newsletter, through your podcast, whatever it is usually a 13% conversion rate is considered sort of industry ideal. I want to caution that by saying that is of qualified leads. So that doesn't mean if a hundred randos come to your site, 13 of those hundred should be buying. That means if you go to a networking event and you're chatting with people who are in your ideal client sphere and they seem potentially interested and they may or may not, you know, need the exact solution that you're providing and you send a hundred of those people there, 13 of those should convert. And again, this will depend on, you know, if you're offering a $50,000 product, you might not have 13 of those convert. And if you're offering a $200 quick free be, you know, PDF type thing, you might get more than 13 to convert, but 13 is sort of the industry standard. And I'd say most pretty, but useless websites converted about a two to 3%. So even when qualified leads 
are being sent there. I see this on a lot of my clients' backends because we, you know, dive into the analytics before we end up doing the redo. And then I like to check up with them three to six months after. We really see that rise from somewhere below five to somewhere around 10% once their website has been made strategic. That's fairly helpful to understand for sure. I think some people are like, I think that's a great starting point. So with with a lot of the websites then that you're creating, um, is it, I mean, I know you said you have like a generally one call to action that you're looking at. So would you say that you're doing the lead generation on the call to action button, I guess, whether it is like a book now, like a maybe, cause like for me, mine is book now and it sends the, you know, it's a form and then they get in touch and then we have our call. So is that what you're talking about? Like how many people arrive to the website and then click that button, correct? Yes, exactly. Or or okay. one of those buttons leading to that place. For most okay. of my clients, whenever I can, I actually try to put in an apply now because with the, a lot of the clients that I'm working with, they're at a slightly higher level. They're really sort of in that CEO mindset. They're starting to move into the six figures. And so we're very big on pre-qualifying the people that work with you. You know, the business owner is busy. The business owner is an expert in their field. And so the more that we can sort of get into that language around apply to work with me and pre-qualifying and sort of getting people out of the mindset that we're not just going to work with anyone. So it's actually usually the number of people that have filled out an application. But absolutely, if you're someone that doesn't have that or just has a contact form or like a direct booking link, then you can absolutely look at how many people are clicking on that button. And the other thing is, if if these analytics are sort of too complicated for you, um, definitely hook Google Analytics up to your site if you can. I recommend it's free for everyone. But another thing you can really look at is bounce rate. So that's how many people leave from a particular page. And that's that's really easy. It's sort of like in the base of Google Analytics, you'll see it. Um, But that's really going to tell you if you notice, for example, that like 90% of the people leave your site from your about page, then maybe your about page needs to be stronger and it needs to lead back to your services page. So bounce rate can be, you know, if you don't sort of want to do all these calculations or hooking up these buttons is more complicated, you can really look at bounce rate for a way to see are there certain pages on my site that seem to be an exit point for a lot of people? And there's there's something I can do on that page to make it essentially not an exit point. I love that tip. I haven't heard that one yet. No, that was, that was really good. Um, for someone who maybe doesn't have a budget yet to hire someone like you to design their website, what are some, a few key things that they need to avoid when creating the website? How do they, they avoid making the website pretty, but useless as you put it. I love that. I love that way you put that. Thank you. Yeah, totally. So I am actually launching a course this summer. It will launch sometime in June or July, TBD, but that will be at a much lower price point for people who want to DIY. And I will be teaching website strategy, copy, and design. But if you don't even have the budget for that, or you really want to do it yourself, I'd say the easiest fixes, like even fixes you could make today is limit your top navigation. That's a big one. I always see people, it can be I think when you're brand new, you sort of have this tendency to think the more information I throw at people, the more resources I throw at people, the better off they're going to be. And as we were talking about earlier, confused clients don't buy and you want to make it as easy as possible. So I always say if your top navigation can essentially be three or four things, you have a one in three or a one in four chance of someone going to the page you want them to go to. If your top navigation has 12 things in it, you have a one in 12 chance. And so people are going to sort of get lost on these other pages. So definitely just clean up your top navigation, get social out of your top navigation. If your goal is to get clients, Instagram should not 
happy in your top navigation because you don't want someone. So we were talking about getting lost on Instagram with puppy videos as soon as they click on it and not actually buying your product. Also make sure your headlines are scannable. That's a big one. So again, you know, read through your site and see if you're really getting the point across in just your, your main headlines. Ensure your branding and photos are cohesive. And so that's a little bit more of a time-consuming one, but really making sure that you know things are easy to read, that the colors are appealing to the types of people you want to appeal to. You know, if you're sort of a you know, a lawyer and you have more straightforward clients, hot pink may not be the color that you want to be using on your site. So really sort of think about the types of clients that you're going after. And then this is a much larger one, but really that emotional connection. And so really that making sure that you're building those no like, and trust factors, you're painting a picture of what it's like to work with you. You know, I always give the example of like show, don't tell. So a wedding planner can say, you know, oh, you'll be so relaxed on your wedding day. You're telling me that I'm going to be relaxed. You're not showing me what that looks like. So if you instead said something like, imagine waking up on your wedding day without even having to set an alarm. And then you go get to drink mimosas with your friends. And then right before your ceremony, I'm going to bring you together with your new partner. And we're going to take these incredible sunset photos. You've now painted a picture for me of how I'm not answering phone calls all morning. I'm not working with the caterer all morning. I'm not having to set an alarm or stress out about things. And so the more that you can really paint that vivid picture of what it's like to work with you, the more you're going to make people feel something thing, the less price will be in the equation and the higher your conversion rate will be. Mm, I love all of that. And that picture yes. you painted was pretty Sounds awesome. Sounds very nice to Off me. The fly. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love it. So, okay. So you've got this course coming up, um, which will be like, uh, is it like, it's like an assisted DIY. Is that kind of what, mm. or, or is it completely DIY? Are you in this at all? Like providing support with this course that will be coming up? Yes. Yeah. So it's a 12 week program and there will be a Facebook live each week where people can submit questions. So it's totally assisted, but there is a course piece as well. And there's worksheets and everything. So it's totally, you're entirely supported throughout the whole thing, but you are owning your own website. You are creating your own website. I really want to empower people to not be afraid to sort of jump into this for their business. And so let's say someone can't afford to hire you one-on-one, they're not quite sure about the course, if they want to just completely go DIY 100%, what would you suggest, um, you know, if there is a particular platform that you love that's like super user-friendly or I don't know, any thoughts on that? Programs or apps that you can use to design. Yeah, totally. So from a website builder perspective, I always suggest ShowIt or Squarespace. Those are the two that I work on as well. Show it is more of a drag and drop. So I think that one is a little bit easier, but it is more time consuming because essentially each piece needs to be put in place. But show it is hosted on the WordPress platform and the blog is actually hosted through WordPress. So if blogging is something that you want to do, that's a really great way to get started because you sort of get all the benefits of WordPress without having to deal with any of the BS of WordPress. Squarespace is my favorite. If you have a small e-commerce piece, Show it does not have an e-commerce piece built in. So if you want to have like a mini shop or something, do not go with show it. You'll need to then bring in a third party. But Squarespace has e-commerce built in. And that's more of like um, it is sort of a drag and drop editor, but you have to sort of stay within the gridded system of Squarespace. So that has a tiny bit of a learning curve, but once you understand it, it's super, super easy. I know a lot of new people like to start on Wix and I could do a whole episode about why I hate Wix, but like, please don't start on Wix. I'm begging you. It's, I can always tell when a website has been done on Wix because things are cut off. Things aren't mobile optimized. 
pieces are hanging over other pieces. So it's illegible. I think a lot of people think that Wix is going to be really easy to start with. And then they don't realize how for each and every screen size, Wix doesn't automatically sort of optimize for that screen size. So it has to be designed specially. So I promise if you're a Wix person, show it has essentially the same drag and drop editor, but you won't have any of the issues that you do have with Wix. In terms of other programs, Canva is always my go-to for people who don't have a design background or can't afford, you know, Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, all of those things. The one thing I'm just cautioning about Canva, I mean, with all of these things is just really read the terms of use carefully. I know that there's been a lot of posts in different Facebook groups around, you know, Canva sort of having rights to certain things that you need to reshare or put on your site. So just make sure, you know, whether you have a pro account or a free account, you're just making sure you have the right to use those things on your website. And then in terms of photos, again, if you can do a brand shoot, great. But if you can't for free stock photos, I really like Unsplash or Pexels, but it's really not that big of an upgrade to go into paid stock. And you'll find a huge difference between the free stock photos and the paid stock photos. As someone who has been in this business for a while, I'm starting to get to know the free stock photos. So when I go on someone's website, I can almost always tell like, oh, I've seen this photo before. So paid is sort of going to get you out of that. And they're not that expensive. But with paid, um, I really like things like iStock or Adobe stock. But again, if you can afford a brand shoot, that is absolutely the way to go. But these are my recommendations if you can't afford something like that. With show it, is it wordpress.org or wordpress.com? It's wordpress.org for the blog, but you actually edit the site through show it. So you're not dealing with any of the plugins or any of the crap that comes with WordPress. So in terms of like, do they host it? They host WordPress hosts it, but you edit it through show it. Okay. Cause right now I have Bluehost with WordPress. And so I was wondering how that would work. Cause I love the idea of like the drag and drop that. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd essentially, you wouldn't need Bluehost. So show it would end up, ho- it's like, it ends up being the host and the builder, which is similar to Squarespace. You essentially just need two pieces versus three. You just need the, the domain piece wherever your domain is through mm-hmm. GoDaddy, Namecheap, whatever. And then the host yep. and the builder is in one, either on show it or Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Mm. May, have to, may have to do some work on that this summer. That sounds <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been so amazing. I I know we could probably talk about this stuff for like yeah. hours, but why don't you tell us where people can find more about you, your services and any offers that you have coming up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I have that course, as I mentioned, that's going to be called the Mind Reading Website Course. And we'll link to that. I have a wait list going. And then I can be found essentially anywhere at Stripe Dog Creative. So Instagram at Stripe Dog Creative, stripedogcreative.com. And then as you mentioned earlier, I do have my own podcast that's called Mind Reading Marketing. And that is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And where did you get the name Stripe Dog Creative? Yeah. So I know no one can see this, but there's a little picture behind me of the dog. So when I was still in my agency days and I started this as a side hustle for nonprofits, I was so terrified to use my own name because I was worried if someone Googled me at work, there were so many non-competes in place, I'd be fired. And we had just rescued our first dog, Toby, who's a little terrier mix. And she has white edges to her paws and a white stripe down her back. And I can picture the moment sitting in my New York Upper East Side apartment, staring at her thinking I need a name. And I was like, oh, Stripe Dog. And it just came to me. And I was like, that's perfect. My name doesn't have to be associated. This is amazing. And the name stuck. I just was wondering that. It is a great name because it's definitely memorable. So thank you. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 
So I'm really not surprised that she talked to, you know, about strategy because I know that's like a big part of her process is really going beyond just making the website get pretty or look, look pretty, but having that strategy behind it. But I think one thing that I really enjoyed, and I mentioned this during our discussion was sort of anticipating the questions that people are going to ask. And that's really, you know, a one way to think about, you know, outlining and wireframing your website to really, you know, anticipate those questions and make sure that all of their questions are asked so that they fully trust you and want to take that next step in, in working with you. I totally agree. It's funny. I was, <laughs> I was just thinking of the first, like, website I created, which wasn't a website. It was like, a, do you remember MySpace? Mm-hmm. And I promise I'm going somewhere that relates to this. Remember with MySpace, how you could actually do some coding in there and yeah. like add, add stuff on there. And like, basically it was like, the more you could add, the cooler you were. And you could like mm-hmm. add a song and you could add like, I mean, I don't even think memes were a thing yet, but like moving pictures yeah. and stuff. If, uh-huh. if you knew how to do it and you, it was like the more stuff that was on there, the better. But like I'd go on to somebody's and I and do this to my own, but I'd go on to somebody else's and I'd be like, whoa, there's a lot to digest here. And I'm just thinking about that now and thinking of how much more powerful websites have become in so many ways since the days of MySpace and yet how much more simple we try to 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 make them like, yes, they can do much more fancy things, but in terms of aesthetics and information, we really tried to pare it down. And I feel like that that's a huge thing. It's, um, it's almost like that whole idea of, you know, when you create a, an outfit, like before you leave the house, take one accessory off, like just simplify it because that's, what's going to get people to pay attention to it. If there's too much going on, people are just going to get overwhelmed and, you know, walk away if there's too much information or too many things popping up in your face, you know, that it's just going to drive people away. Um, That's true. And then just making sure that those headers are skimmable. So even if you do have a lot of content, maybe, or maybe let's, you know, use quotes here, a lot of content, maybe it's not actually that much, but being able to even simplify it further and having those headers pop out to really sort of guide the journey on your website, which I, I which totally makes sense. I mean, yeah. I, I do that with like even articles. I'll like just sort oh, of I skim. Know. So it has to be a really good headline for me these days to actually click in because I just have so many I don't yeah. have the time. Yeah. You know, and definitely like I'm looking at my own website and I'm thinking I really should simplify this down a lot because I've got a lot of websites now actually have like the two different bars for headers. So like the first one is usually like home about and contact. And then below it has maybe like what, you know, services and what you focus on and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I really don't need all this stuff. Even, even as simplified as I've kind of tried to make it, I think I need to do a little recon work and do some more on that. And I can't wait for that course to come out because I'm definitely going to be checking it out. Mm-hmm, but, sure. um, that won't that won't be necessarily in the show notes because she said it was going to be coming later this year, guys. But um, you know, if you use the show notes to click into our website, I'm sure you'll get to there. So uh, that being said, thanks so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community. You can also follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. And I am fashion. I am fashionably Kate. I you are. Kate. You are fashionably Kate. I and Co. And Co. The Co is the little one. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at fashionably Kate and Co. 
love that. I've obviously just taken on that personality. Oh, that would have, that would have not made it on your, you know, producing, interviewing on camera days, right? That would have been a fail. That would have been a take two, but we're going to, we're going to keep this authentic and live and whatever. So sounds good. I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me at Jesse Wyman Photos or at the Brand Photographer Method if you're interested in learning more about brand photography as a photographer. So um, that's about it for today. Tune, tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating. Mm-hmm.